everyone, and welcome to another episode of Upward. This is a podcast where we share and highlight the stories of Asian Americans in corporate and business America. We share their career journeys, lessons learned in their professional experiences, and advice as an Asian American in corporate America. And this is your host, Min Kwan. Hey, so welcome to another episode. Today we have Robin Say. She also graduated from Uni- Yale University. And we just had a really candid conversation about how her passion for the food world has kind of defined her way, the way that she looks at her career, how it has translated into her corporate career as well, and now her position at MealPal. And lastly, how she's been able to surround herself with passionate people who are just as excited about the food world as she is. So without further ado, here is Robin Say. Cool. So let's get started. So thank you, uh, Robin, for joining us on this podcast. Um, And before we get started on all the questions, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey from um, where you are and from from Yale to where you are at MealPal? Yeah. So thanks for having me. Um, So, you know, since we met in college, graduated from Yale in 2017 with a psychology major, Um, I had spent some time working in hospitality industry beforehand throughout college. I had staged in some restaurants, fine dining, and more casual places as well. Um, But I knew I wanted to gain some more experience on the business side of things before really jumping into the food world. Um, So like many other Yalies, I joined a consulting firm, uh, the Bain office in New York. Um, So I was there for two years working on a variety of projects, uh, private equity, health insurance, tech, really across the board. Um, But after a couple of years, I knew that it was probably time to make a switch back into food, felt ready to bring my business experience to the table there. Um, So last year, I joined MealPal as a chief of staff to the CEO. Um, She also co-founded ClassPass. So it was really incredible. You know, A, working for MealPal has two female co-founders, which is always incredible. Um, And also just having that experience and that exposure um, kind of in the sweet seat, understanding how those high-level decisions are being made. Um, MealPal is still a pretty young company, so definitely still very much, you know, hands everywhere, kind of wearing lots of different hats. Um, And so being able to see what it takes to build a company from ground up has been really rewarding. That's awesome. And how how old is MealPal? It started in 2016. uh, Uh And so since then, we're now in 20 different markets uh, all across the U.S. and Canada, England, New Zealand, Australia and Singapore as well. Nice. Um, So kind of rolling back a little bit, where does this passion for food come from? Because I know you said you worked in hospitality and especially in food and restaurants. Where does it come from? Did you always have this passion and kind of knack for cooking and baking all these amazing foods? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I baked a lot when I was younger, you know, school bakes and whatnot, nothing super serious, but it was definitely something I enjoyed doing. Um, But I think I was really lucky in college, we had a ton of resources and a lot of great support along the way to really explore those different interests. Um, So one of those projects was called Why Pop Up. So it's a series of pop-up restaurants, totally student run on campus. Every semester was a different concept. And so I started with one called Teaspoon, which was a coffee shop my freshman year. Um, So it was a great business model because our labor was free, our rent was free. uh, We only had to pay for ingredients and we still just barely managed to break even. Um, but definitely, I think it, it was a great place to kind of get my feet wet. Um, I really enjoyed thinking through the strategy of building out a restaurant, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the summer after that and one or two semesters um, throughout college as well, kind of during off time and in between semesters, um, I was able to work in a couple of restaurants in New York and in Copenhagen as well. You know, again, college was the first time I really realized that food could be a career. 
Um, clearly, people have been doing this for centuries, um, but I think the more I talked to people in this space and the more spent, the more time I spent doing it, um, you know, I was reading articles about you know, really simple things like restaurant reviews in the newspaper. I'm like, oh, you know, you can have a career writing about food. You can have a career cooking food. You can have a career doing business strategy for a restaurant group. Um, or you can do marketing for a food-related PR firm. There's just so many different avenues to take. Um, and I think, again, like we had such a general education at Yale and classic liberal arts curriculum mm -hmm. that there were a lot of different avenues to explore. You know, you had your senior thesis, which I focused on food and psychology. Um, I was also involved in the Yale Sustainable Food Program. So we had a farm and we had a lot of great speakers that they brought on. Uh, so I was involved with inviting some of those people to campus as well. Um, and so just like small things here and there, I think, again, being close to New York City as well, you could just mm -hmm. quickly take a train on the weekends and yeah. pop into some, you know, lectures or talks, conferences, so spent a lot of time volunteering for conferences, because mm -hmm. um, as a student, you can't really get a ticket to those things. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, the more exposure and the more people I met, I think, the more confident I felt that this is really where I wanted to spend my mm. career. And so you just talked about that, the fact that, you know, even in food, there's so many avenues that you can pursue, right? And in those conversations that you had with lecturers or people or mentors or recruiters even, how did you kind of refine this is the specific path I want to take? Or, and did you already have that in the beginning of your career or is that something that you're still exploring day to day? Definitely still exploring <laughs> day to day. I think early on I've narrowed down, you know, I love working with chefs, but I don't think I want to be a chef. Um, uh -huh. I think I can bring a lot more value add, hopefully on the business side of things. That's where, you know, I focus my training at Bain and consulting and throughout Yale, kind of thinking through the strategy side. Um, and so moving forward, I think once I had that idea in mind, I started talking to a lot of people on the business side of restaurants. Um, so when I was working in the restaurant in Copenhagen, I was half in the kitchen, um, but also half on the biz dev office. So working with their PR team, their marketing, um, publications, um, some partnerships with nonprofits, um, so it's really good to kind of see how that flowed and connected with what was happening in the kitchen as well. Nice. Um, but I think, you know, MealPal is a great place where I get to definitely work with thousands of restaurants every day, mm -hmm. um, but definitely on the business side. You've clearly had creative roles. I know that you are the president of Design at Yale, which is a brand consultancy um, on campus for local businesses. But you've also, as you said, had um, analytical roles like on Bain & Company. Um, so how does creativity play a role in your career right now and has it always played a role and what is creativity what's what's its role uh, in general for you yeah i think um you know throughout school and even in the short career that i have had so far um i've always sensed there was a pressure to be more analytical hmm. i think if you look at the most prestigious jobs, quote unquote, or the most popular jobs that everyone wants after graduation, um, they definitely tend to prioritize recruiting for people with analytical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, so even throughout Yale, I think there was always a pressure to be a little bit more analytical minded and bring that into everything that you do. And that's definitely not a bad thing. I've certainly appreciated the training that I've gained from that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's taken a little bit more of a conscious effort to say, hey, it's okay to be a little more creative sometimes and actively seek projects that are more creative. Mm -hmm. I think again, Design at Yale is a perfect example where clearly it was such a, it was a creative business at its heart, um, but being the president and running the business side definitely needed to make sure that our numbers were tying, mm -hmm. you know, everything was shape and square. Um, and so I think that's where I've most thrived, being able to apply the business skills to a more creative business and definitely works for restaurants as well. Yeah, um, when I think about the role of a business operator or a general manager in the restaurant space, 
you know, you're working with chefs who are definitely the creative driving vision. Um, but in order to have a restaurant that runs, we still have to make sure someone is keeping an eye on everything on the business side. So making sure, you know, your, your budget checks out everything with your inventory, um, all of your contracts and, and the rest of it. Um, so I think I've found the most fulfillment in those kind of intersected roles. One thing that surprised me the most when I started working in restaurants is the emphasis on absolute consistency, especially at the more fine dining establishments. I think a lot of people have this vision and myself included of, you know, a chef is someone who grabs a glass of wine and dances around the kitchen and throws ingredients to a pot and doesn't look at a recipe. Um, and it turns out in this perfect dish, um, which is true. I think that definitely happens. But when you think about executing and again at scale, if you're serving 100, 200 people per night, you have to make sure that every single dish is consistently excellent. And the way to get that means that you have chefs who are carrying around micro scales in their pockets, right? They're weighing out ingredients by the gram, by the milligram. They have tweezers that are literally surgical grade to move the flowers and the herbs in the exact right position. You portion out every single ingredient. You have, you know, an entire brigade system to make sure that every single thing is perfectly consistent. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest things to achieve. You'll often read restaurant reviews say, you know, I came once and this dish was excellent. I came again yeah. and it was absolutely horrible. And so that it's not hard. It, you can cook a perfect dish once, but to make it a hundred times is really what makes you a standout restaurant. I think that's the hardest part that people don't necessarily see um, because you have just exactly what's in front of you, but yeah. all of the work that goes in behind it is just all about fine-tuning that to get it exactly right every single time. Um, so kind of going back to your um, experience at Bain, I do want to touch on this before we move on, but as you said, it, it is you know way more analytical than being um, getting your feet dirty in um, in a in a, um, in a chef or a restaurant situation. What were some of the skill sets that you kind of came away with after those two years that really helped you kind of um, accelerate or expand your vision for your career or or your you know your experience in the food in this in the food business industry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think you know with consulting, it's very much pitched as a generalist role, right? You don't mm -hmm. specialize in any specific type of project or any specific type of industry. Um, so the most valuable part of that is that you get to learn a little bit of everything and you have to learn it really fast. Um, you know, projects are typically three to four months long, sometimes even shorter. Um, so you really have 24, 40 hours to get up to speed and become an expert on that industry. You read everything you can, you jump on as many phone calls as you can, you comb through all the resources that reports that you can find. Um, so I'd say, you know, consulting taught me just how to be a really good thinker. And I know that sounds like such a pitch. Um, but what I've noticed is, you know, as soon as I start on a new project, I learn how to structure it. I make sure there's really clear frameworks and guidelines. I have to make sure, okay, what exactly is our goal here? What constitutes that success? Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really great people across different teams, different skill sets through the different clients that I've worked with. Um, so it's taught me how to adjust my working styles to other people. There's certainly, you know, whether on the client side or at MealPal now, you know, we have a design team, we have an engineering team, we have mm -hmm. an analytics team. All of those people think very different, work very differently. Um, and so learning how to bridge those and run a meeting most effectively and run a project, I think has been invaluable taking that from consulting. Um, you know, there's definitely been a lot of analytics for sure. Um, but what I've appreciated the most and what I found the most transferable is those people skills and those really project management skills where you take a problem, you break it apart into really small, clear, actionable pieces, um, and then start those in an organized way. And as long as you can distill the problem into those distinct pieces, I think it's a lot easier to get people on board, get people feeling empowered and have ownership around it. 
um, to really push it forward that way. Not everyone at you know, Bain & Company will perform or, or you know, learn all those skills in the time period that you did. So what do you think it's uh, that you implemented or your skill sets that helped you kind of be successful at Bain or be successful at MealPal? Um, and how have those um, translated across the different roles that you've had across the few years? So I would say I've, I've definitely been really lucky to work with such an incredible group of people. Um, I think about all of my supervisors, not only the direct supervisors, but the mentors and the advisors that I've had along the way, um, and really being motivated to work well for them and with them. Um, they've been such inspirations and such role models. Um, I think it wasn't hard to show up every day at work and say, I want to do a really, really good job. Um, you're just constantly surrounded by such A-game players that it really pushes you forward. Um, and I think that's something I've really taken away from Bain and our time at Yale as well as just, you know, the more that you surround yourself with the people that you want to be like, the faster you're going to move forward. And I always think about some kind of saying or phrase where you're the average of the people you surround yourself with, mm. right? Or you look at a company that you want to work for, do you feel like these are the people you want to become like? Um, and so I've really taken that to heart. I think the people that I work with, I love so dearly now, and I learn so much from them every day that it doesn't feel harder. It doesn't feel, you know, it certainly works, but it doesn't feel like work to want to work really hard. Having worked at the intersection of, you know, food, business, and technology, what do you think are the skill sets that you kind of have translated across those roles? Um, if I even, you know, whittle it down a little bit more, like, do the skill sets as a person in the kitchen translate to a person who is in business for food? Um, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so definitely I was surprised, honestly, how many lessons I could take from what I saw in the kitchen to what I saw at Bain. Um, you know, both of those workplaces are definitely where you have people coming around the world striving to be the top 1% of their game mm -hmm. at all times. Um, and it's certainly one of those environments as well, where you are always expected to perform at 110%. Um, can definitely get exhausting. I think that's why it's really important to have a really strong support network as well. Um, but I think about the attitude around perfection and just wanting to deliver the best product possible. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because Bain is technically a client services firm. Restaurants are sort of in the same business, right? You have your guests who are your client services. Yeah. Um, and there was always this mentality where if you could work, 20% harder to deliver an extra 10%. Like that's what we're going to do at the end of the day. Um, I would say, you know, working together as a team, the hours are hard, the work is hard, but it's really rewarding. You can see the tactical output. Um, I think that's one of the really amazing things at a restaurant is a small scale, right? You see the output immediately. Um, in consulting, it was really interesting to see it kind of play across different offices, even different countries when we'd roll out a new product or an integration. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say, across the board, whether from the startups that I've worked at or the restaurants or in consulting, um, what I've most valued is just in terms of how to work with the team and lead with the team, um, consistently the people that I've enjoyed working with the most are the ones who A, really believe in the mission, but B, really believe in their team and energize and motivate them. Mm -hmm. um, starting from the grounds up, you know, someone who is not afraid to get their hands dirty, um, you know, classic startup mentality, you're gonna have people in the C-suite digging into the Excel, running around, giving out flyers, um, you know, chasing down missing bills, whatever it is, there's, you're never too big for the job. Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly true in the kitchen. That's certainly true at a startup. Um, and I think those are the people that I definitely felt the most inspired and empowered to work for. Definitely, there's going to be different levels of passion. Um, yeah. I think 
from what I've seen, you know, taking a step back just outside of the team, but just in terms of surrounding yourself with passionate people in general, um, you know, certainly I've reached out to a lot of people who are not as passionate and did not respond. I by no means have a hundred percent response rate, um, but there is definitely a strong correlation, right? The people who are willing to talk to you, willing to share their time and their mentorship are going to be the most passionate people. Yeah. So even by that nature, you already have set yourself a filter to kind of find and connect with the most passionate people, not necessarily even with your industry, but generally, you know, if you care deeply about something, you're going to be able to carve out some time and share it with other people who share that mm -hmm. interest. Um, so I found that really helpful along the way, you know, definitely don't shy away from reaching out. It never hurts to ask, which is what I tell myself. That's true. Um, you know, the worst they can say is say no, and that's exactly. totally fine. You move on. There's lots of interesting people out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say in terms of teams, uh, you know, I learned from Bain, especially, you know, you cross so many different industries, so many projects. And I think a lot of people enter in consulting with a very specific mindset, myself included. Oh, I want to do projects only in healthcare or only in CPG or only in retail. Um, and I was definitely going and looking specifically for food and beverage projects. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, what I learned was that what matters most in terms of what you learn, what your experience is is really the team and the manager and your supervisor. Mm. Um, it's, you can be in food and beverage, but you might have not a great case experience um, if you're not working well with your team, or you might have an incredible team experience, even if it's not exactly the industry that you wanted. At the end of the day, you can still learn from those people and take it to your next step. Mm. Um, so I've tried to put a lot more focus in, if I can, you know, thinking about who my supervisor is, who my manager is, um, or at least, you know, along the job search process, really putting more emphasis into the team and the supervisor than the specifically the project or the function. Mm. I guess this is like more of a practical question, but I didn't know at Bain that, or Bain or any consulting firm that you do have any kind of control over the next project you get. Is it, is that something that you intentionally have to build relationships for? And if so, how did you kind of do that? So the staffing model differs slightly across the different firms. Um, some have a lot more say in others. I would say some firms are known where you explicitly are responsible for staffing yourself on the next project, wow. in which case uh, you are, you know, the onus is on you to reach out to people, kind of keep your ear to the ground to see what projects are going and talk to the people who are staffing up there. Um, at Bain specifically, we had a staffing manager um, who again was sort of like an advisor or mentor to you. Um, there would always be an open list circulating when you were up for staffing. Hey, these are all the available cases. You can rank them um, on a scale of one to five um, and you can give a little bit of reasoning and you can always chat with your staffing manager why you're interested in this project. Um, they'll always take a look at your strengths and weaknesses, where your areas of development are for. Um, so they take that into account as well. Um, so I remember you know, my first case at Bain was actually in the food and beverage space because mm -hmm. I nice. saw that this one case came up and I begged to be on it. I wrote a wow. really long, passionate email um, and it worked out. Nice. And I was super fortunate that, you know, the team was incredible. I actually stayed on that case for close to nine months. Wow. Um, and then afterwards, you know, you do have to switch up your team. Um, but I realized, you know, I learned a lot from food and bev, but honestly, the skills that I learned there, we were rolling out a software tool, mm -hmm. um, could be applied to any different industry, which means the case, no matter what industry, you know, I can always transfer it back to food and bev. Um, and so after that, I started, you know, when I was ranking my cases and however much I could sway the process was, you know, doing a lot more research, asking around the office, hey, have you worked with this manager before? What's their working style like? Um, you know, thinking a lot about what areas I wanted to develop in my skill set, um, what areas I felt confident in, 
and using that to kind of choose and, and hopefully shape where my next cases would fall. Outside of your work for uh, work and your professional career, how did you build or did you build those kinds of same communities of equally passionate people? And if so, how did you do it? So, I mean, outside of work, it's still very food related, not a shock, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, I think, you know, being in New York City postgrad is just such a great place in terms of the number of people that you can cross paths with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, taking that mentality from Yale of never hurts to ask. Um, it's definitely been a lot of attending different food events. There's so many conferences, events, and talks um, that are going on at any given point. Um, definitely have tried to stay behind, you know, snag a word with someone who's been talking. Um, I volunteered at this one conference called Cherry Bomb, which is a great food magazine you should check out. Um, but I think, you know, again, with food, it's such it can be such an accessible hobby or passion. Um, you know, every time you eat at a restaurant is an opportunity to meet the people who work there, yeah. talk to the people who are in the industry. Um, so I guess I'm fortunate that what I do for fun is also what I do for work. Um, yeah. And so even on the weekends, I'm, I'm meeting new people, I'm talking to chefs um, every time I go out. And I think that's such an amazing part of New York and slightly different that these days. Yeah. Um, but definitely really lucky to have those opportunities and have those exposures. What role, if at all, has culture played in your career, if at all? Um, and um, how has it affected your career? Has it provided you with opportunities, challenges? Let's talk more about that. Yeah, so, I mean, starting at Bain, I would say we are a firm known for culture. Um, if you look on Glassdoor, it's always one of those places that are ranked number one. And, and we talk about true. how much we love <laughs> our people and our culture. And that certainly was something that I absolutely lo- lived and loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it had definitely a people first culture. Um, Again, you know, that support network that we talked about where you had your formal support network of your advisor and your supervisor, um, but then you also had your start group, you had your start class, you had these unofficial buddies and sort of big siblings and big buddies. Like it was truly wild how many people who are there to help you, um, you know, just set up from day one. So you were really set up for success. Um, And so I think we, it was, you felt like it was really a family. Um, and I don't say that lightly, but I mean, truly these are some of the closest people that I've met. Um, two of my roommates come from Bain. Like oh, I wow. actually chose <laughs> to live with these people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a hard decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, like many of the vacations and trips that I've been on since graduation have been with Bain friends. That's like awesome. I choose to spend my vacation days with these people. That's, yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's definitely a strong testament to what good culture does. Right? And you know, it's, it's obviously not hidden that consulting can have long hours and it's, it can be yeah. tough sometimes, but it feels so much better when you're there with a team that you genuinely love spending time with. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make it so much better. Um, and so you're learning from them all sorts of ways, not only throughout the work and on the projects that you're working on, but just when you're spending time together as well, especially when you're traveling and whatnot. Um, so I think I've tried to really take that to heart. Um, you know, it's a very unique culture that doesn't necessarily fit in with smaller companies or younger companies, you know, Bain clearly has a lot of resources and that's highly correlated to why they have such a great culture mm-hmm. um, with all the events and things that they can plan. Um, but I, I definitely, it's been super impressionable and definitely like lots of key lessons I would want to take from my current job into my next roles as well. How did you know that you wanted to get a startup experience, right? Um, what did you, what were the conversations you were having with yourself or with mentors that made you realize that, oh, this is the next right next step um, for you in your career? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, with consulting, one of the tougher things 
that can come out of it is, you know, you, by nature of being a consultant, you offer a lot of recommendations, um, but you don't necessarily always see the project through completion, right? A lot of times you'll deliver the final recommendation and hand it off to the internal team to complete it. Um, and so before B and I had spent some time working at Blue Apron as well, so another food startup. Um, and so that was really my first exposure. Um, previously, I did spend a summer at Lux as well, which is, mm-hmm. is acquired by Uber at this point. Um, but it was kind of like Uber for valet parking and they had just, I was there the summer it launched in New York. So wow. was literally there, you know, seeing it from zero to 60 ground yeah. up. Um, and so I was that summer intern who was running around, you know, um, <laughs> like training valet Ubers, printing out flyers, like wow. doing it across the board. Um, and I, I really loved the hustle and the drive behind it. I think okay. if you wanted to get something done, I mean, I was a sophomore in college at that point. I had this idea of hey, we should do a brand partnership with Shake Shack when we launch Lux in New York. And they're like, okay, sure, go figure it out. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. Wow, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I ended up getting a meeting with, um, at the headquarters of Danny Meyer's restaurant group, which owns Shake Shack as well. Um, They were definitely very shocked when a sophomore showed up. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the nature of startup is, you know, no job is too big or too small. um, Mm. It just gives you so much flexibility and to really see things through. Um, I think same with MealPal, I've only, I've been here less than a year, but I've seen so many new projects launch, so many new projects kick off. Um, as soon as you have an idea, you can actually see it implemented. You can see the numbers change and grow over time. We'll see the number of scams. We'll see, you know, the number of restaurants that we've added. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to really have that tangible impact and so quickly as well is something yeah. that I missed a little bit in consulting, but definitely have loved seeing again at MealPal. So I'm curious as to what role diversity and inclusion has played for you in, in your career? Yeah, I mean, I think from the start, it's definitely been something that's really important to me. Um, I studied psychology at Yale, and so a lot of what I focused on was actually social psych, um, specifically recruiting during corporate mm-hmm. <laughs> recruiting processes. Really? It was like a niche focus, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I have spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what exactly systematically is leading to all these pipeline issues that we are Mm -hmm. seeing. And clearly it starts so early on in the beginning. It's definitely, it was a big topic at Bain as well. As you can imagine, you know, just the fact of their recruiting process where they recruit actively from so few schools Mm -hmm. obviously leads to a more homogenous pool of candidates. Um, Also by the nature of consulting, you know, everyone has the exact same role um, so they really pride you on building up a robust skill set, but it's all the same skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea of consulting, if you could take any one of us, plug us in, swap us out, and you get the exact That's same true. product. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's small tweaks and personal flares here and there, but I think the business model is that we are all replaceable. Um, and so it's an incredible skill set to have, but it's definitely not diversified in terms of the way that we think and the way that we approach problem solving. Um, and so I think one of the eye-opening things about coming to MealPal was I really, for the first time, got to work with different teams, different mentalities, different working styles. Um, you know, our graphic designers think very differently from our engineers who think very differently from our accountants mm-hmm. and think very differently from our sales team. Um, and so having that was really refreshing. And I guess it, it forced me too to reframe how I think and how I approach problems, um, the way that I walk into a meeting with our sales team versus when I lead a meeting with our engineering team mm-hmm. is very different. Um, and I try to be more intentional about adapting and tailoring the communications to those styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think diversity of thought is incredibly important. There's obviously a lot of conversation around diversity demographics as well, um, which is not only lacking in consulting, but of course tech. Um, in the food space and hospitality, I mean, you can name any industry and I don't think anyone is going to be exactly proud or ready to rest their laurels on their diversity. Mm 
Um, and so, you know, it's one of the amazing things about Neopause, as you said, those two female co-founders, um, being able to go to meetings with them and, and see the way that they work with people who are pitching or working with investors, you know, just having two women in charge has been really inspiring. I think, you know, always great to see someone who looks like you in that space. Has your identity as an Asian American female in the workforce affected your career projection at all or how you think about it or the relationships that you kind of make? Definitely. I mean, it must have played a role, whether I'm, there's lots of points when I was very aware of it and probably a lot of subconscious points as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think working in kitchens, being a woman is, of course, a huge barrier. Um, you know, even before everything that's going on now, we had the Me Too movement that absolutely wrecked the restaurant industry. Um, when I was, I've been working in kitchens before where I was one of, you know, less than 5% of women in the kitchen um, have certainly seen or experienced things that had they had an HR department, certainly wouldn't have flown. Um, and so I think that has made me a lot more cognizant about how I position myself, how I respond to certain comments. I've been in positions where I severely regret not speaking up earlier, where I laughed at a comment that I didn't find funny, where I stayed silent when I overheard something or saw something. Mm -hmm. And I can still remember those exact moments today. And I think things have changed but obviously there's a lot of room and you know there's cultural barriers too i've worked in restaurants outside of the u.s where i've seen a lot more of that um rather than within the u.s but you know that's again not enough to say okay we, we've done enough for today that's good right. enough um and i think you know within consulting obviously not enough women in leadership certainly not enough asian americans either um and in tech still similar problems yeah um I would say when it comes to consulting, they definitely tend to focus on recruiting very type A, very extroverted people, very much can walk into a room and immediately grab everyone's attention. I think that's the classic stereotype of a consultant. Um, and that's certainly not who I am by default. Um, you know, I think for me, I'm the type of person that takes a lot more energy where I have to, when I walk into a room full of strangers and have to present myself in that way. Um, I think also like, Clearly, I look very young. I sound young. It's part of being an Asian American <laughs> woman. I'm not the only one with this issue. Um, and so walking into meetings, people have asked me before, like, oh, are you here for your summer internship? Wow. Um, like, oh, are you here, you know, visiting your parents? Like, no, I actually am here to run what? this meeting. So <laughs> it's, you know, I think, again, with consulting, you work with a lot of diverse clients um, mm. all across the U.S. And so oftentimes you might be the only person from, from your company going and representing and they don't always know who's showing up beforehand it's just you know a name on an email yeah. um and so it's it's been interesting and always <laughs> yeah, I mean, um you know to see what you you hear and see along the way mm -hmm. um you know always happy to break some stereotypes but i think also um you know for consulting i would travel a lot and frankly we would have you know really cushy travel arrangements um so we always got to sit near the front of the plane and more than once as I was about to board, you know, someone would actually grab my hand and say, hey, they're boarding first class now. I'm like, I know, thank you. I will be on my way now. Um, and, wow. you know, I don't think that definitely happens to some of my other colleagues who don't look like me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, part of it is age for sure, but part of it is definitely race. Part of it is gender. Um, you know, I've been on enough flights where I'm the only woman in my entire section of the airplane um, or my entire section of the airport lounge. Um, and, you know, I've been to tech conferences where I was definitely the only not white person. 
Mm. Uh, so it's it's made me more conscious about, I think, projecting that I belong and whether that means filling that extroverted role. Mm. Um, you know, I can be that consultant or I can be that tech leader. We have an image of, you know, all of the Steve Jobs of the world. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's not what everyone's natural leading style is. Um, but I think there's definitely been times where I wish, um, you know, the default way that we would recognize leadership isn't necessarily just the the white man standing in front yeah. of the room who has the loudest <laughs> voice. Um, obviously, there's value to that sometimes, but yeah. um, it's definitely made me appreciate to listen a lot more um, and give a lot more room to other voices hmm. as well. The last question I wanted to ask you is, what's next for Robin? Uh, is it? <laughs> do you see yourself at Meal Pal in the uh, in the foreseeable future? Um, a different industry, maybe not food. Uh, what's up? What's up? What's in store? <laughs> so I def- it feels like I just got to Meal Pal. I think you know things move so quickly. Honestly, I'm shocked that it's already been eight or nine months. Wow. Um, you know, would definitely love to stick around for a while. There's so much more to learn. Um, but down the line, definitely want to start my own company. That was part of the reason for moving to the starter space, really mm-hmm. seeing what it takes to start a company from ground up. Um, absolutely no plans of leaving the hospitality space. <laughs> um, you know, still my dream is to work with chefs alongside chefs. Um, I think there's a lot of space, especially now the restaurant industry is kind of definitely going through a reset moment, right? We've realized how broken the model is in terms of when we think about staffing, people are not getting enough pay. There's not paid sick leave. When we think about the economics of running a business, some of the best restaurants in the world are scraping by a 2% profit margin. Why is that? Our restaurant suppliers, it's such a short chain. It's so tenuous. There's really not enough stability with the farmers that we can support. I think there's so much that can be done, again, on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been playing around the idea about whether it's a restaurant incubator or just running a hospitality group that provides the business side and really working with chefs who can run the creative vision but for us you know i would want to build a team that can handle everything else that happens behind the scenes um so that you can have chefs who can cook and do what they love and do what they do best and then we can handle all the details of whether it's you know rent negotiations leases Mm -hmm. payroll staffing i think there's so much change that we could potentially drive you know with diversity inclusion environmental sustainability there's yeah. a billion movements that i think we should all support <laughs> and of course we can only tackle one at a time um yeah. but i would love to be able to find some kind of model where we can do that sustainably and help build restaurants up again after covid i am very inspired by your vision i see a company in the future <laughs> i hope to pick this conversation up again once you start your own company but Thank you so much, Robin, for joining us, um, and good luck in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Upward. You can find Upward on your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're following us on social media, including Instagram at Upward underscore podcast for updates on future episodes, Breakthrough Asian Americans in Corporate America, and just for updates on the platform itself.